0: I'm Blair Alper, KA9SEQ, with this RAIN rerun. In the early to mid-1990s, Mark Thompson, WB9QZB, penned a monthly column entitled "Bytes from QZB. These were often controversial, but always thought-provoking. Here is his first, introduced by RAIN reader Scott Childers, W9CHI, formerly WD9FXP. Now for our first Bites from QZB. While the focus of this first of a new monthly commentary
1: is the 70 centimeter or 440 megahertz band in the Chicago area, the problems discussed may very well parallel those occurring in your area. Here's Mark Thompson, WB9QZB, with some Bites from QZB. Hi, this is Mark, WB9QZB. Hap recently asked me to periodically read some of the bulletins that I place on the Packet Radio Network. In the event that you aren't familiar with my bulletins, they are meant to be informative, thought-provoking, and are sometimes controversial. Hap thought that their content would be interesting and spark discussion. Hopefully, they cause us all to think a little and ask some of the hard questions that need to be asked. So, without further ado, I will begin the first monthly installment of what Hap is entitled, Bytes from QZB. About a year and a half ago, I bought a fancy dual-band Kenwood mobile rig. That's one with 2 meters and 440 megahertz. One of its more interesting features is the band scan capability. I programmed the 2 meter and the 440 scan ranges to cover the the ranges of the repeater outputs. I then started doing band scanning while I drove around the Chicago metro area. What I discovered was quite intriguing. For years, I've heard in this area that you can't use the 440 band for anything like packet, or anything else because it's all been allocated to repeaters in their links. And if you look at the repeater handbook and check with the Illinois Repeater Association, that seems to be correct. The question is, though, whether the band is really being used, and that's where I think we'll find a discrepancy. In my travels around the Chicago Ridge in rush hour drive time, I expected to find all those 440 repeaters brimming with activity. But, I've been lucky to hear three repeaters in use at any one time, and normally only two. During non-drive time, you'll be lucky to hear any repeaters being used. If you don't believe me, set your rigor scanner to scan the band and observe for yourself. The next question is, how can this be? Well, it's quite simple. The band is entirely allocated. That's right, allocated. But no one has really determined whether the frequencies are actually being used. You say, well, doesn't the Illinois Repeater Association investigate whether frequencies are being used? Not that I've seen, And if they did, we wouldn't have the current situation. So what can be done to correct this situation? First of all, we need to determine whether the repeaters really exist. If it can't be keyed up over a period of time with the correct PL, there's a good chance it doesn't exist, and the owner should be contacted to discuss decoordination. The Illinois Repeater Association could enforce this effort with a group of OOs, or official observers, that would monitor repeaters for inactivity. Number two. All repeater operators should provide the Illinois Repeater Association with usage statistics of how much their repeaters are used on a daily basis. If it's not being used, then there's probably a group who could put the frequency to a more productive use. The OOs could verify these statistics. Number three, determine how many active hams an organization actually has. Many of the repeaters out there are one to five user machines stroking someone's vanity and ego rather than providing a useful service. If one person has built the machine, it will likely be a one-user machine. Phil Karn, K9Q, who has been a key player in the development of both packet radio and amateur satellites, and, in fact, won the 1989 Dayton Hamvention Specific Achievement Award, was recently interviewed at Dayton, and his interview was printed in the W5YI report. Phil says about this problem, I especially want to get this message to the frequency coordinators. There is a widespread policy in repeater consoles that once you get a coordinated pair, it's yours. You can stay on it forever. That needs to change. Those who want to experiment with novel ideas or more efficient modulation methods are told, sorry, all those frequencies are filled up with FM repeaters. This will cause the amateur service to stagnate. We need a major change in policy that says you do not own a frequency once you get it. You sign a statement to that effect in your Form 610 license application, but nobody seems to remember it. Well, I tend to agree with Phil. Just because an individual or group has gotten a frequency allocated doesn't necessarily mean that they should have it into perpetuity. If the frequency isn't being effectively utilized, then it should be given to someone who will use it. The frequencies that are de-coordinated could be put to use for groups who really want to use them, such as putting up an active voice repeater or putting up a full duplex packet repeater or, for, for example, putting up a high-speed packet backbone link. In fact, some of the same 440 problems occur on 2 meters and 220, and the same mechanisms could be put in place to verify actual usage by repeaters there also. With the potential loss of much of the 220 band on the horizon, it's time we stop squandering much of our 440 band in inactivity. Remember, when the FCC comes looking for more frequency spectrum, for commercial interests, all they'll have to do is monitor our VHF and UHF bands to see that we're not using them effectively. Allocating our bands to little-used or non-existing repeaters won't save our bands. More hams and more activity will. This has been some Bites from QZB.
0: Even though this column was written and voiced by Mark Thompson, WB9QZB, for Rain in November 1990, the coordination issues he brought up are still valid today, regardless of where you live. We'll bring you our second Shorty Rerun after this break for station identification. I'm Blair Alper, KA9SEQ, and you're listening to The RAIN Report. You are listening to The RAIN Report from www.therainreport.com. The frequencies allocated to the U.S. Amateur Radio Service on 220 used to be 220 to 225 MHz. In the late 1980s, the United Parcel Service persuaded the FCC to reallocate 220 to 222 to commercial interests, UPS made a lot of noise about how it needed those 2 megahertz of spectrum to develop an amplitude-compandered sideband, ACSB, communications network. After all the wailing and gnashing of teeth had subsided and the dust had settled, UPS found the technology unworkable on those frequencies and abandoned the project. Art Reese, canine xi edited 220 notes in those days. Art filed regular reports for Rain during the early to mid 1990s until he ceased publishing 220 Notes. Here is the first 220 report he filed for Rain November 1990.
2: A new congressional initiative seeks delay on Docket 8714. Hi, I'm Art Reese, editor of 220 Notes Newsletter. Representative Robert Dornan of California, who was one of the mainstays in the move to implement House Resolution 315 in support of the amateur radio service about two years ago, has proposed an amendment to the Defense Authorization Bill, which would mandate that the FCC stay for five years the implementation of Docket 8714. The bill would read as follows. If the Secretary of Defense submits to the Federal Communications Commission a formal filing a continuing critical need for the primary radio frequency allocation at 216 to 225 megahertz, then the allocation for that frequency, in effect on August 1, 1988, shall be restored and shall remain in effect during the five-year period beginning on the date of such filing. During the five-year period, the Secretary of Defense shall conduct studies evaluating the Advanced Technical Surveillance Radar and other radar location systems and national security and emergency preparedness communications plans for use of the frequency band covered by subsection A. The Secretary shall submit to the committees on armed forces of the Senate and House of Representatives, not later than at the end of such a five-year period, a report containing the results of those studies and the findings and recommendations of the Secretary. The linchpin of this move seemed to be twofold. First, the advanced tactical surveillance radar is a new generation device designed to better track the stealth bomber. 220 notes has learned that the device, tested on a number of frequencies available to the military, seemed to work best closest to 220 megahertz, which means that for this purpose, the 220 to 225 megahertz band is about the most ideal area of use for this form of radar, which is still available to the government. Second, the national communications system is very concerned about the possibility of loss of the amateur radio packet backbone network. In a letter of this past July 27th to Congressman William Dickinson, the ranking Republican member of the House Armed Services Committee, Dwayne Andrews, executive agent of NCS and the assistant secretary of for defense of what is known as C3I, that's Communications Command Command, control and intelligence stated amateur radio operators play an essential role in time of national disasters and emergencies to include supporting the government's national communication systems telecommunication support plan for non wartime emergencies the radio amateurs have been building in the 220 to 222 megahertz Portion of the 216 to 225 megahertz spectrum, which the FCC has reallocated to the Land Mobile service, a multi redundant network of high site relay stations capable of moving messages at a rate as high as 56 kilowatts from city to city and regionally. The NCS sees the continuing development of this amateur radio system at no cost to the government as being integral to our national emergency preparedness telecommunications capabilities. We believe that in the long term, our national security preparedness would be preserved if the FCC would allocate other spectrum available for the landmobile service. So what is the fate of the move to add the amendment? Well, probable, but uncertain at the moment. The problem is that the powers that be on the House Armed Services Committee told the Honorable Mr. Dornan that if he had a signed waiver from both Representative Charles Dingell of Michigan, the Chairman of the House Full Committee on Energy and Commerce, and Representative Edward Markey of Massachusetts, Chairman of the Subcommittee on Telecommunications and Finance, then Mr. Dornan could have the amendment added to the defense bill. This is due to the fact that in the House, but not the Senate, any amendment to a bill must be germane to that bill. The timing of the request form said the powers gave Representative Doran about two hours to get approval. That's a little late for this particular session. However, in September, actually as of now, there's still going to be another markup session for the House Armed Services Appropriations Bill. And with the tensions in the Middle East brewing as they are, this amendment may have a greater chance of making it into the bill. However, don't count the UPS lobby out of this one. They still have a chance to waylay this proposed amendment with wads of cash. So we'll see. What you can do is to write your senators and your House representative telling them of your support for this amendment. See if you can't get that section put into the markup for the bill. We'll keep you posted on how it turns out. I'm Art Reese, K9XI.
0: As a postscript to this rain rerun, we have lost track of Art Reese, canine XI. Art, if you hear this, please drop us a note and tell us what engineering magic you are creating these days. As for Mark Thompson, whose bites from QZB column earned. High marks from the Rain listenership a decade ago. He has given some thought to resuming his column, but is up to his elbows in the retail-slash-mail-order musical instrument business. He and his wife operate in Des Plaines, Illinois, coincidentally home of Rain's founder-producer, Hap Holly, Casing 9 rp well, that's it for this rain rerun. We hope you've enjoyed hearing a couple of sound bites from rain's early days. The rain report is copyright 2003 rain, all rights reserved. I'm Blair Alper, KA9SEQ.